0: Good morning. Welcome to take two of our, of our message this morning. Somehow, my uh, video that I made for Thursday, it uh, got corrupted, which is kind of an odd thing to say about a, a, a message from the Bible. Um, but we're going to do take two. We're going to do it from Rob's deck this morning. Here we go. John 14, to 14. Today we continue our way through Jesus' farewell conversation with his disciples. We've bounced around this conversation for a few weeks now, and the next few week or and next week will be actually our final week in the series. This conversation's rather lengthy because it begins in John chapter 13. As we talked about last week, Jesus has just finished washing his disciples' feet and teaching them how to serve. The evening continues as Jesus shares about the betrayal with Judas, and Judas is already has already gone to carry out his plan. The passage just before this one, actually, Jesus is sharing with Peter how Peter's going to deny him. And uh, Peter pledges that that would never happen. We all know that it actually does. As you can imagine, these guys are distraught, to say the least. Less than a week ago, people were welcoming Jesus to Jerusalem as the king and ready to help him fulfill his messianic destiny. That was their idea, but not Jesus' idea. It was a mission that... He knew it was not the mission that he knew that he was given by the Father. With what we read in the, about the disciples in the passage, they were somewhat caught up too in this way of thinking, that Jesus was coming to be a messianic king. Then Jesus starts to talk about walking away, talking about going away, talking even about his death. These guys have watched many who followed Jesus walk away. Some because Jesus wasn't what they thought he should be, others out of fear for the for the Pharisees. It's just back to the devoted ones. These guys knew that the religious leaders were there were out to kill Jesus. Maybe even them for being associated with him. And all they're hearing from Jesus is that I'm going away. I'm going away. Could you imagine what's going through their head? The passage that we read today, which Boris read for us. Uh, we get to see their confusion. Thomas says in verse 5, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Philip says in verse 8, just show us the Father and that will be enough. What our passage today is really about is Jesus showing compassion for his disciples and painting them a picture of what the future actually looks like. Why does he have to go away? What are things going to look like? Why does Jesus have to uh, what does Jesus have for us? We followed him and now what? I realized that the title today was Knowing God. And it really doesn't cover the passage all that well. This is kind of what happens when you take a read through the text and try and come up with a title. Rather than studying and working your way through the text. A better title to, for today would actually be To Know God is to Long to Be in His Presence. To Know God is to Long to Be in His Presence. So let's get into our passage for this morning. John fourteen, one to fourteen. Our passage begins with a plea and an assurance. First the plea. Verse one begins with Jesus talking. He says, Stop letting your hearts be troubled. You trust in God, trust in me. Another way of saying this, I guess, could be you trust in the one that you cannot see, trust in me, the one that you have seen. Jesus really isn't giving them a scolding here at all. It's really more of an encouragement for them to continue in what they've been doing. Continue to put your trust in me, Jesus says. Then he continues with the plan. And this plan was actually meant for reassurance. Jesus says, my purpose for leaving you is so that I can go and prepare a place for you. My father's house has many rooms. That Greek word here for house is actually menai, meaning Place. It's the same word that's used later on in that very same chapter in John 23. Jesus replies, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come to them and we will make our home with them. Meaning we will make our place. We will make our manai with them. When I connect these two verses the place that Jesus is preparing takes on a little deeper meaning. It isn't a mansion. It isn't a uh, really a loc. It is a location but it's not really a location. It's Really about a place where God is there and I just get to be there. I get to be in His presence. Jesus is going to prepare a place for all who put their trust in Him in God's presence. Let that really sink into your mind. We will be in His presence. Jesus will be there and we will see Him face to face. Maybe you've been away on a trip Um, And when you return home, you're just able to relax. You're just able to relax because you're thankful to be home. You're surrounded by your loved ones. You get to just be there with them and enjoy being in their presence. Just think a little bit of what it's actually going to be like when we get to get back together after our mandatory time of social distancing here. Now multiply that times a million. And I think you've scratched the surface of this. Now this is just my view of heaven. Um, eternity spent worshiping God and being in His presence. That's what I think it's going to be like. Back to the passage. The disciples really don't understand what Jesus is talking about. And maybe it was a stress that they were under, or maybe they couldn't see the bigger picture. Thomas says, we don't know the place you're going, or the place you're talking about. So Jesus sets out to explain it to them once more. Jesus says, I am the way translated, I am the only path. I am the roadway. I am the access point. Another way to say that is you only have access to the Father through putting your trust in Jesus. There is no other way. Early believers were actually called followers of the way. Acts 9 and Acts 14 tells us that those who followed Jesus and his teaching actually were considered troublemakers because they put their trust in him and lived by his words. Jesus says, I am the truth. Meaning He is the authoritative revealer of the Father. He's the source of truth. Verse 10 and 11 in this chapter says, Don't you believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak in my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing His work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Another way you could say this, only through Jesus And believing that he is the ultimate truth, can we have access to the Father. Finally, Jesus says, I am life. A life lived to the fullest is a life lived in the presence of God. We think that we're living a full life right now while we're here on earth. And to the best of our earthly abilities, maybe we probably are. But I think it pales in comparison to what life will look like in heaven. We can't even begin to comprehend what this is going to look like in Jesus and through Jesus we find the best life. This week Rabbi Zacharias, a well-known biblical teacher and apologist, went home to be with his heavenly Father. This is what they write about him. When a former when a former skeptic and 17-year-old Rabbi Zacharias heard the words of Jesus in John 14:19, which are because I live you also will live, the trajectory of his life changed forever. In a time of helplessness and unbelief, when on his bed of suicide, the truth of Scripture brought home or brought hope to Zacharias, and he committed his life to Christ, promising I will leave no stone unturned in my pursuit of truth. Earlier in John fourteen, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, this verse became the cornerstone of Zacharias's ultimate mission as a Christian apologist and evangelist to present and defend the truth of Christ that others may find life in Him. Ravi had a beautiful way of phrasing things that really made you think, and we often use this teaching at youth group. This will be If this is the first time that you're actually hearing that name, I would encourage you this week to spend some time on YouTube uh, just looking him up. The way that he defends truth, the way that he, the way that he explains truth will inspire you. Now he's in his true home with his heavenly Father. He's in his eternal home with Jesus. He has seen the ending to that verse that he quoted a lot. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now he's in eternal life. Let's move on to the next section in the passage. Two weeks ago I worked through the second half of this passage and we talked a lot about the Trinity, more specifically about God the Holy Spirit. Our passage today is specifically pointing to God the Father and God the Son. The passage is telling us to see the Son or to see Jesus is to see the Father. Jesus does what the Father commands and what the Father does. Jesus is a perfect reflection of the Father. The words that Jesus speaks are the very words of God the Father. The things that Jesus did, the way he loved and cared for people, he is showing us who God the Father is. Jesus is showing us how to have a relationship with God and living And giving us access to the Father. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's what it says. These are Jesus' very own words. If you know me, you will know my Father. I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. All the works I have done all point to the Father. To participate in the mission of Jesus is to participate in the mission of the Father. One of my commentaries puts it like this. It's not simply that Jesus was sent on a divine mission on behalf of the Father. Rather, Jesus, or rather, God the Father is on a divine mission in the life of the Son. Therefore, those who put their trust in the Son are also called to that same mission. How's that for an eternal perspective? I'm being sent by Jesus to bless others and invite them to follow him. Jesus' mission is our mission. As we finish off the passage today, we come up to one of the most misused passages in the Bible, I think. John 14, 12-14 says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. Because I am going to the Father, and will do whatever you ask in my name, so the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. This passage has led some to think that now I can raise the dead because Jesus did. Now I can heal because Jesus did. It's led to some very disturbing things happening in the church world. Things in which God really isn't glorified. I was thinking and praying through this passage and this question came to my mind. What was the greatest thing? What is the greatest thing that Jesus did? The passage actually tells us. Says he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. The greatest thing that Jesus did was reveal the Father. The greatest thing that Jesus did was reveal the Father to us and provide us with a way to have access to God the Father through the death of Je- through Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection. Let me just say that once more so we get this right. The greatest thing that Jesus did was reveal God the Father to us and provide us with a way to have access to God the Father through Jesus' death on the cross and His resurrection. So when Jesus says, The one who believes in me will do the works I have been doing, this means that we are also called to reveal God to the world. That's our calling as followers of Jesus. How do we do that? First of all, we do that by putting our trust in Jesus. We just say, I believe you are the only way, the only truth, and in you, true life is found. Secondly, we do that by, putting, by living out the teachings of Jesus. Thirdly, we do that by loving and serving others as Jesus did. Fourthly, we do this by constantly pointing people to God. That's what our passage says. That's what Jesus did. Fifthly, we do this by loving our church family. That's what they said about the early believers. See how they love each other. Lastly, we do this by giving God all the glory He so rightly deserves, as Jesus did. Next week, we're going to be sharing in communion, and communion is a way for us to remember what Jesus did. We remember the sacrifice He made on our behalf. Pastor Ernest is going to share a little more about this and what it looks like for your family right at the end of the the service today. My prayer for you this week, may you come to understand how much Jesus loves you. May you know his care for you. May you trust him more deeply each day. For those of you who know Jesus as your Savior, may you point others to Jesus through your actions and through your words. May his love flow through you so that others can see him Clearly, May he give you the words to say when people ask you, what is this reason for your joy? Remember, our eternal home for those who have put their trust in Jesus is heaven. But while we're here, we have a job to do, and that job is to reveal the glory of God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning. Thank you that we can be together as a church family, learning from your word. Studying your word, understanding your word more deeply, understanding how much you love us more deeply, we pray that this week we would we would learn more about you, Jesus, and then in turn learn more about God the Father. Thank you that you've gone to prepare a place for us and thank you that uh, someday we will get to worship you face to face. Just help us this week to be good representatives of you to be good ambassadors of you. In our communities, in our families, and with anyone that we come in contact with. We just pray all these things in your awesome name. Amen.